y'all welcome to bookish bitches it's not your grandmother's book club so grandma if you're listening i mean you can this one's actually not smutty (laughs) my name's megan and i'm lauren and in today's episode we are going to be talking about spells trouble by pc and Kristen cast okay so i'm i'll do a quick summary of the book but i want to preface i grew up on pc and Kristen cast's house of night novels Mm -hmm. so I saw this one. Well, oh, it set such a high bar, and I was like, "Oh my god, they have a new series! I'm gonna read it." I actually haven't read all the side books of House of Night, but I'm working on it. So, like, mm-hmm. but I was like, "Oh my god, I have to have this book." It 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 uh just didn't hit the way right right right. It didn't hit how the way House of Night did, but it was still I still interesting book. So. Spell's Trouble is part of the Sisters of Salem series. It focuses on a pair of twins called Hunter and Mercy. Um, So the gist of this book is they are from a long line of witches who their ancestors or, yeah, ancestors found the town. And they basically uh, have these trees that act as portal or um, protection for portals for different ontologies or mythologies depending on how you refer to them um and in the beginning of this book we find out that hunter and mercy are turning 16 i believe yes yeah and they do this ritual where they declare their goddess for their 16th birthday or i guess god or goddess because hunter chooses the god tier which none of their line of chosen a male um patron basically before mercy chooses someone basic i'm pretty sure their mom's patron is athena and mercy chooses um freya that's who it is ah. yes it, it was like it was there but i couldn't get to it yeah um and then as this ritual is happening and there's some stuff that happens before it but as this ritual is happening, one of the gateways opens up and it lets out a monster. The monster then proceeds to kill their mother. So this whole book is unfolding as they're trying to basically come to terms with the fact that their mother's dead, figure out um, how to strengthen these trees again so they can keep the portals closed, and then also reckoning with the fact that there is a monster loose in the world and finding it. So... Let's start with Hunter and Mercy, um, since they are they're the main characters. They're twins, and their whole their whole thing is that they're very different. Yeah, they're extremely different. It's like oil and water. Like Mercy, certified badass. You know, she dresses really cool. She's unapologetic. She's extremely comfortable in her own skin, and she's like crazy and everything. Hunter is like this super quiet girl. She's a closeted lesbian. I think she's the only lesbian in her town. And she's not really even closeted because it's like she was... Yeah. People bully her under the assumption that she is, and she is. um, Because I think she liked a girl and told her that she liked her, and then it became a big thing Mm because the girl didn't like her back. Yeah. So... And she's also, like, this romance novel writer, but she keeps it under wraps, which is super cute, actually. I thought that was adorable. Uh, she's just introverted, and then Mercy is extroverted, so 
they don't get along as much, which I actually understand between me and my sister. I'm more introverted. She is too, but she, when she, we're both comfortable, we're extroverted. We're a little crazy. Um, I liked that dynamic between the sisters because when they're just the same copycat, like, let's take my cousins, for example. They're twins. No, do not play in the plastic bag. Uh, <laughs> sorry, my cat's trying to choke himself. Stop it. Um, my cousins, Reese and Owen, they are twins. Owen is just like me. He's extremely introverted. If you take out my internet, we're done. <laughs> yes, we're here. Uh, my cousin Owen is extremely introverted and even around family, he's not around that much. He, he's a little quiet, but once he's comfortable in a setting, like he just is this amazing kid. And then Reese is over here, extroverted, crazy, outspoken, very comfortable in a social setting. So I re- when I was reading about these two characters, I was really like, oh, this reminds me of my cousins and my dynamic with my sister, which I liked. Yeah. But I don't know. The story was good. I liked the plot. I liked the opening because personally, I'm someone who likes a book that opens immediately with chaos and action. Like they were, this was back in the 1600s when it opened the book and they were escaping Salem and everything, which I, it was a nice from the gallows to 2010, you know? Yep. <laughs> it was, um, I like that. And also in the context of this, because they're witches, yeah. Mercy is a green witch. Yes. And Hunter is a cosmic witch, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, which even without knowing a lot about like what those terms mean, it's they, they feel different. Yeah. Both deal with different energies, mm-hmm. if I can put it that way. Okay. But yeah, I like the dynamic between the sisters. So I how- saved the book. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Who who do you prefer? Hunter or Mercy? Because I have a preference. I prefer Hunter. I do too. Okay, cool. So we're not going to argue. Yeah, I act more like Mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I think it's interesting. And we're actually going to touch on two of the points here. But Hunter, because of the bullying, because of being ostracized, has this chip on her shoulder. Which at times is like, oh my god. Oh, oh my god. Because she's not seeing forward because of this. It's trauma. It's, It's literally trauma um she's not able to see forward because of the emotional damage she's had dealt to her mm-hmm. which at times i get frustrated with her but it's also like she clearly didn't get any help through this but it also makes her a very empathetic character yes mercy i consistently wanted to choke out because she is so wrapped up in herself that she doesn't seem to realize that other people around her are also hurting until her best friend's father dies which is really weird because it's like you and your sister your twin sister just lost your mother but you're acting like your sister's pain isn't happening yeah and hunter kind of puts it very very harshly but also very accurately mercy's never had to deal with pain no so she just is consumed by it whereas hunters learn to kind of there's an end Hunter's yeah. an empath. She feels people's pain. She relates to it. Mercy's not like that. She's kind of like pretty much aloof. She doesn't sense her surroundings. Like, I know me and you personally, like, I sense people's emotions, like, on the dot. And I'm like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Do you want to go somewhere else? You know, stuff like that. 
Mercy don't give a fuck. Yeah. She you is know, wrapped up in herself. You know who this reminds me of? Who they remind me of? Is Hazel and Ben from the darkest part of the forest. Mm. Do you remember? Yeah, that was their the, dynamic. The Hansel and Gretel retelling. Yes. Um, this is a sidebar for anyone that's here for Spell's Trouble, but it is relevant. <laughs> it's a good book it as is well. I talked about it in my senior thesis, so clearly I like it. Um, but Hunter reminds me a lot of Hazel, but Ben or Mercy doesn't remind me of Ben because Mercy lacks the awareness of other people, mm-hmm. which I guess in a way makes her a balance for Hunter's hyper awareness. Yeah, but I was just missing like a a. De- emotional depth from mercy because like when she finds that her boyfriend's a piece of shit it's she just like runs away and cries exactly it's like you have magic powers and you're not gonna and well granted her magic gets her in the into the issue in the first place but it's like babe come on now you are from this great line of witches your mother was like super insightful a b and c and you can't see that this boy's using you exactly but I guess that leads to the point of, like, she's 16. <laughs> we can't expect too much out of her. Exactly. I hope you enjoyed the shot of my forehead you got while I was adjusting my laptop. Oh, uh, you didn't even see the shot that happened over here. Okay. <laughs> I had my cat, Binks. He's trying to take out the internet. He's trying to stop this podcast from happening. I get it. Binks, why do you hate me? Um, Put him on my shoulder and he literally clawed his way to freedom. I'm not abusive, I swear. And... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So we can talk yeah. about we can talk about the shitty boyfriend, or we can talk about the wonderful best friend that is Jax. I will Let's let you talk choose. about the best friend. Let's put on a good. Okay. So I clearly am a Jax stan. Yes. He reminds me of Resand. Yes. Just boyish. Yes. Like boyish baby Reese. And very emotionally in tune, very patient mm-hmm. with the ones that he loves. Because Hunter, even when she's kind of going through it and she's afraid of herself and afraid of, you know, the world, he is there patiently at her side, ready to really just support her. Exactly. I thought it was super cute how he was there for her and she w- he was the support she needed. Now I have to ask, did you get the vibe that Jack's like Mercy? A little bit. Okay. Because I was like, is this like a book two? Mercy finally realizes that Jax has been there, whole, there the whole time. Because I got that feeling, and it makes me wonder if Hunter was written as a lesbian, so there wouldn't be complications in their friendship. Ooh, that's a good one. Because that's always the trope of like, like, example, Shadow and Bone. Um, Mal and, what's the main character's name? For which... One. shadow and bone alina alina yes yes they are best friends but she's in love with him and it's like they would probably have a stronger relationship as best friends but because she is heterosexual there is the assumption that there's romance so that makes me wonder if that's why hunter mm-hmm. is not i don't know we would have to read the series more often because there's like i think three books into it but yeah, I don't think he's gonna end up with Hunter, unfortunately, since she is comfortable with her sexuality. Yeah, and I think well, it's weird because Jax is friend with friends with Kirk, which is the trashy boyfriend. 
but friends is like a loose term so like they play football together mm-hmm. so my prediction even though we're probably not going to read the rest of the books is that like Jax gets with mercy and then kirk comes back and is like says some kind of gross misogynistic sloppy seconds kind of thing um and then Jax fights him like that's that's the vibe i'm getting from this because it is supposed to be in high school it's supposed to have those stupid hormonal things happen So as a witch, because I practice uh, I'm pagan, I thought the accuracy for some of the details they put in the book were better than most YA novels. How we do spells is basically incantations, but you have to put your energy into it. In the beginning, you get a prime good example of an incantation. However, they never were saying so mode it be, so mode it be, so mode it be, which is the power. I think they said it one time. One time. One yes. time. That's typically a pretty big part of incantation. So I was like, huh, that's weird. It's not really mentioned too much because of the power of three. That's pretty big. Yeah. Accuracy, it was, I think it was, she did, they did their research. They did. Um, like, we have celestial witches, we have white witches, we have green witches. We have a lot, there's tons of different forms you could take about it. Mm-hmm. So they're accurate on those those ends. Now, is it incredibly accurate? No. Hey! hey. I, I could hear that <laughs> happening in my ear. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, my cat has no boundaries. <laughs> is it going to be, like, um, my you know, witch textbooks that basically tell you how to do everything from scratch to finish. No. But it wasn't the least accurate I've read. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because their House of Night novels use, similar to this, a lot of different mythologies. Um. Oh, I'm going to have to look up. Hold on. Uh, Sylvia Redford. Um because the the grandmother of the main character is native american mm-hmm. and they live in tulsa um oh my god i'm gonna mispronounce that so i'm just not going to uh, <laughs> she she uses cherokee magic okay there's a lot of um research they've clearly done in that regard and they kind of reference it a little bit here but it's very clear that they're trying not to reuse what they've learned in house of night um which is smart which is smart yeah so what did you think of the way that all of the deities were just acknowledged as being real and existing kind of in other worlds i liked it a lot because in our magic there's a ton of different deities and patrons who could be your patron god you don't even need one you can have more than one like which is a misconception because you're like oh i only praise blah 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 yeah not true at all. Most people actually have three to four, if that, then more. And it's not just what in like Greek and Roman mythology, you have your only you only have your one set. Like, that's it. We don't believe in the Christian gods or anything else. It's just your one set. In Wicca, it's pretty much the whole shebang. Like, not a lot of Christianity, but we have the whole shebang. You can go from Greek, Norse, you can go Celtic. Egyptian was one in the book. Yep, yep. So there's a ton of different cultures and their deities that you can worship, which I like. 
because why stick with one genre you know mm-hmm. and each set has their different purpose one can strict mainly to fertility one can strict mainly to passion and justice one sorry but yeah so the interplay of the deities i appreciate it because like how hunter decided to do freya that's pretty accurate that's mainly seen in norse mythology and then we have um mercy who decided to go a different route and use a male patron yeah it flipped but yeah oh sorry you're good um yeah pretty accurate in i'm i'm asking partially for the podcast and partially out of curiosity relating to this point is it as gendered for real world patron deities as it is in the book because that's the whole thing is mercy's like trying to blame hunter for everything that's happening because she chose a male patron macy mercy chose the male patron right hunter did hunter did and then mercy tried to say that everything that happened was because hunter chose tear not accurate okay in our culture it's how it all started was we had the father and we had the mother mother Mm -hmm. of the earth father of the forest there's already the whole thing like there's a male and there's a female mm-hmm. let's say as an example like for greek um was chronos the one who made the entire world uh oh um if we're going further back gaia was the first mother and then Gaia was the mother so the, that would be the-, the sky was the father yeah, I'm I trying can't remember to remember what he's called. He's like Ouroboros or something like that, but I might be thinking of a different mythology. Just like that. Yeah. Personally, one of my patrons is a male patron. Mm-hmm. And I have two others that are female. There's nothing wrong with that. Each yeah. has a different purpose. My male patron is strictly protection, honor, justice, and the whole. That's how it is for me. And yeah. I do my thing for him. And the others are for different reasons. I don't understand, like, I don't understand why in the book it was basically, like, not even an option to have a male patron. Didn't really get that, because... It wasn't really that it wasn't an option, it was just that no, no one in their line had done it. And I think this is... I would have to say this is a trend of their writing, which, like, they are feminist writers through and yeah. through, and I love that. Yeah. Their other novels, House of Night, because I'm going to keep referencing it, the patron goddess, or the only goddess that really has any presence is Nyx. She is the goddess of night. Nyx is a very popular patron. Yes, and the uh, okay, the main villains in House of Night are men or women who allow themselves to be controlled by men. Yeah. So I think this is kind of one of not so much of them being like down with men it's more of like the way that they set up, set up the witchcraft in this is this mm-hmm. whole family line has always been very female focused because if you remember in the first scene the original witch her husband just doesn't try to protect her or her daughter yeah, she doesn't protect the daughter or the his wife and they end up fleeing because of it so that might be the trend of like in this family there are no uh male patrons because there's a distinct lack of um supportive men 
throughout the line because even like hunter and mercy their father's not in the picture yeah you don't know anything about him yeah i don't know i just didn't i don't know each patron has a different purpose and it's not like the male patrons are actually in actuality female patrons are way more common than male patrons mm-hmm. and nyx has become very popular within the last five years I yeah was, everybody's thinking they discovered her they haven't <laughs> i love nyx like she's one of my patrons but it's mm-hmm. not because of tiktok people are finally discovering her aesthetic and they're like yes i need this yes i want to be the knight and i'm like yeah it's cool but she actually has a lot more purposes than that yeah okay so going back to the the first scene we see um, the original witch and her daughter be saved by a familiar. Yes. I so, loved him. So, then of course we have to talk about Xena, who was um, Abigail, which was Hunter and Mercy's mother's familiar. Yeah. And the fact that Xena turns into a person, she was by far the funniest fucking character in this book. Oh yeah. Like when she hissed at Kirk, I was dead. I we were in the car and I was snorting like I thought it was the funniest thing and it's so interesting because she is the definition of like when you describe someone as feline they wrote it so well because she's like oh she's eating like she's drinking milk out of a bowl and eating tuna mm-hmm. with a tiny fork and just being pampered and like she's always fixing her hair but I just love the idea of her their mother knew that they would one day need protection and made it so Xena could become human. I actually thought that was really cute. Yeah. The conception of familiars ranges throughout a lot of different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, for me and my mother, because we're both pagan, she has a familiar. I have a familiar. But, like, there's this whole misconception. Like, and there's a TV show about witches called Salem. And they use the familiar for spells, which I thought was really weird. But we use our familiars for spells, but it's more like a grounding situation and also like protection. It was really weird watching shows like that and reading stuff. I'm like, I wouldn't cut into mine. (laughs) Why would you cut into yours? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because like familiars as a concept are in a lot of different media things. So, like, me showing my nerdness, World of Warcraft, you can have familiars. Because um, you can have a mount and you can have a pet that is essentially a familiar. Um, and I always had a panther because why not? But the fact that it's even in video games, it's such a widespread concept, but there's not a lot actually known about the background for it. It's almost involved with the concept of soulmates. Mm-hmm. It's just like that, actually. Now, when I got my pet, Binks, I love my baby. Um, he's my familiar. I told everybody, they're like, why don't you get a dog? And I'm like, because you, you can't earn a dog's respect. They just like you. And they are very out in the open about it. Yeah. I rescued my cat from a terrible situation. And... I earned his respect. He's my familiar. We look out for each other. And is he a hassle some days? Yeah. 
But like, so was my mother. <laughs> Cats are basically just small humans. They have their own personalities. They are. They're so smart. And he's my familiar. And I've used him in rituals before. Mm-hmm. Like, when I first got him, Mealy did a cleansing ritual. And he seemed actually a lot happier afterwards. He loves the smell of sage. Um, that cat is literally perfect for you. Yeah. <laughs> he likes books. He likes sage. Yeah. That's why I'm very convinced he was a human in a past life. Mm-hmm. And I'm extremely passionate about that because Jesus Christ, I saw him deep throat a veggie straw the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and he has the fetish. Yeah. Oh. Disgust the shit out of me, but you know what? Everyone's got their quirks. <laughs> Everybody knows he's had foot fetish. <laughs> I don't want to say he was a pervert in the past, but. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> getting back to the book, um, you're good. Looking at accuracy and characters, I feel like this book should have been longer for what it was promising. It was 303 pages, I believe. Yes. It, That's a short story. And yeah, it, it was. Um, it was it was promising a whole lot in, in terms of like, oh, we're going to see Hunter come into her own, which we didn't because she ends up just sacrificing her mm-hmm. deity. And she, so the monster that leaks into the world is a Cyclops. She basically calls out to Poseidon's wife, which I can't remember her name. And says, if you take the Cyclops from this world and punish him, I will be your, I will, you're my patron. So she makes that deal, gives up Tear, even though it doesn't feel right to her. And it's clearly like this book was building for book two. Yeah. But there's, my okay, my issue with it regarding Hunter and Mercy is that there is a lot of talk of like them being super close, but you don't see it. At all. They're at each other's throats the whole time. There's this whole, like, oh, the world's not right if you guys aren't talking and being yourselves, but it's, like, every time they talk, they fight. Yeah. And I, and that's kind of even the case before the mom dies, where they're, like, picking at each other, but that's picking. It's sibling things. That's a sibling rivalry, you know? Yeah. But after the mom dies, it's like they don't know each other at all. And I don't know. I just feel like there was a lot of there was a lot that was expected to be known but not actually happening before your eyes mm-hmm. exactly so and on a rating mm. I would give it a, th- a three give it like a two I didn't watch that yet. <laughs> it makes me sad to say it because I really love these authors mm-hmm. I wanted to and that might be the problem I might, it, it might be me that. coming into it like oh my god these are the best authors okay not the best Sarah J Mass exists but these are authors that I really fucking like and then this is what I get and I'm like oh okay this is okay Dang. I guess an avocado Dang. essentially like that's what happened when I was reading this book I swear but yeah it's okay. I can go back and just read my other House of Night spinoff novels because I technically haven't finished all of them yet. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I gotta finish all the side novellas, which is probably the only thing keeping me going in life at this point. But yeah, 
two out of five. I'll get a two and a half. Yeah. All right. I'll give it for Zena. <laughs> for Zena, yes. For Zena. Um, so that's all we have on Spells Trouble today. Next week, we will be talking about Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Mass. Um, ironically enough, the 10-year anniversary recently passed when I started reading mm-hmm. the book. So yep. that was really interesting to find out. And I kind of wish we had scheduled it sooner, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.